you're listening to Terrifying Travels, the podcast where two friends will be discussing a true crime and a paranormal uh, story in a new city each week, except for this week. Except for this week. <laughs> this week, we are nine episodes into our new podcast, and we have done it. I was going to cover Al Capone only, and Maddie tells me she's got something Al Capone adjacent. Well, the St. Valentine's Day Massacre is not Al Capone adjacent. It's Al Capone. It's only that he allegedly did it, okay? Yeah, he was allegedly a mobster, too. I'll talk about it more later. <laughs> so this episode, we are going to be doing strictly or true crime. Yes. And although I am curious as to how true paranormal is going to tie into that. Mid-paranormal. I'll although talk about that again, it. I wouldn't be surprised at all. It was a <laughs> gruesome way to go. <laughs> yes. And then next week, we will both be covering a hopefully not the same one, although why not the same one? <laughs> paranormal. Um, We'll be doing our paranormal stories next episode. Yes. Okay, yes, but before we start, I have kind of an update on the Madeline, Madeline McCann um, situation. We recorded our episode very early last time because Maddie was going to everywhere, so she couldn't record. At the time of recording, there was a girl in Poland who thought she was Madeline. The day before our podcast was was um, released, they discovered she's not Madeline McCann, but they are currently looking into another missing girl. There were two girls taken by their father. And their father was discovered dead a couple days later, but the girls were never found, and they're hoping she could be one of the girls. Ooh, fingers crossed. Yeah, we had this conversation last time. I That sounds like we're hoping. Yes. I can't see if Dad killed himself. I don't see what else could he could have found with the girls. Yeah, yeah. But I'd really hope so. Um, although that opens up the other question, where's the other one? True. However, it's a case I've never heard about, so I know nothing about. Yeah. Yeah. However, a, pod, a, a case I do know about is the Jessica Chambers case. Jessica Chambers. So I, uh, I recognize that name, and that was a crazy case. I do remember. Yes. Uh, Killer Queens covered it. Yes, 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 yes. I was super happy to do this as a day trip and cover the full case in more detail because. Um, Again, I've been traveling all over, and I've been sitting on this one for a while. Um, luckily, I also have an update on Jessica Chambers' ca case. Um, it's at the end of the day trip, so if you want the full story, go listen to that. But the update is that um, the man who supposedly, the number one suspect, uh, who supposedly killed Jessica Chambers is currently doing five years in prison. And that he will maybe potentially be moved to a third trial in the Jessica Chambers case and also possibly tried in Louisiana for another supposed murder that he did. So, wow, justice is hopefully being served and we hopefully. just have to wait it out and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's all crazy. Yeah. No, I... I you know, the name sounds familiar, and it's really unfortunate, and it says something about the state of the world at no point in time, just in general, where yeah. I go, her name is familiar. Then I have to hear the details of the case to remember, oh, yeah, I know this case. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah God, that was that's not a good one. Yeah. I am glad we didn't start day one off with that case. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a very different tone, wouldn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, debunking a ghost story and Jerry Lee Lewis was a good way to go for day one. Yes. Yes. But yes, we yes. are currently heading to Chicago, and apparently the only crimes that ever happened in Chicago were in the 20s or 30s with mobsters. <laughs> uh, you know what, though? It's really funny. I've actually, and like, I hate using the term my favorite killer. But I just turned, when I was younger, I read about Al Capone, and I just, I don't even know the proper, I don't love him, I don't admire him, but I took a fancy to him. Mm -hmm. And that's still not the word I want to use. <laughs> and I read all the books, I watched all the movies, and then when I actually went to Chicago, I completely forgot about him. Oh. I booked a haunted Chicago tour, like, the day before I went to Chicago, because I was like, shit, I gotta do something I cannot mm -hmm. believe I forgot that this was Al Capone's grounds. So I did a haunted day tour, and that was actually, it was really fun. Um, I got a tattoo, like, literally right before the tour. Mm -hmm. 
and I got an Uber from the tattoo parlor to the tour. And right before the tour, the tour started, I looked and noticed my tattoo was spelled wrong. <laughs> and I was there on the tour with a uh, Brazilian family. And the mom was so cute. I loved her. But she turned to her daughter and she said, see, that's why we don't get tattoos, sweetie. You could end up, she's a nice girl. Oh, you're a nice girl, sweetie. But you know what? She's here without her mom and dad. And her mom probably doesn't know her tattoo spelt wrong. And now she's got that on her forever. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Nope. My mom does not know this is spelt wrong. And the tour guide actually let me use his phone to contact my tattoo guide. I was like, you need to fix this. Mm -hmm. And I went back at 11 o'clock at night. And I'm like, no, you need to fix this. And it was my very first day in Chicago, too. First time in a city that size. Yeah. I don't actually remember getting home. Like, I was just that done by the time I was done navigating a city that size, doing a tour, getting a tattoo, getting the wrong tattoo. I know I got home. I just don't really remember it. Yeah. Oh. But it was oh. a lot of fun. And the tour was fantastic. And it was a haunted tour. So I do know there are hauntings in Chicago. Yes, 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 yes. yes. <laughs> I just, we just, we synced up. That's all it is. I can't we, believe we did that. Telepathically, just, <laughs> we were both like, oh, what do we think? Ah, the mob. Yes. Perfect. And we even talked about it last night. We did. I was like, I was like, Sabrina, what are you doing? And you're like, Al Capone. And I'm like, I have something with You said that. he has Al Capone in it, but... I, I guess you're right. If you're going with the allegedly, then Al Capone. He was he was in Miami at the time. Exactly. Exactly. So. Yeah. Okay. Before we like start getting to the of each other, <laughs> let's, let's get these facts in, hey? Yes. Fun facts. Let's so I go. have some. I have some I have some interesting facts about Chicago. Um, and like we said, we're not gonna, I'm not gonna go into the details. I'm just gonna tell you what happened, the facts and you can figure it out on your own. Perfect. So the word, word Chicago comes from an Algonquin word that either means wild garlic or onion field. Yep. Which I actually once, you know, I wrote it online so who knows it's true, but apparently it's not the Windy City because it's windy, it's because they fart, which if you, if you think of wild garlic or onion field, that could make sense. <laughs> that's so funny. That's so I didn't include funny. that fact because I don't I don't think that's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh in 1971, one third of the city burnt burnt in the Chicago fire, which I heard was started by a cow who kicked over a um, lantern. I think so. Yeah, I think that's how it started. Yeah. I, I read some uh, period dramas that I should not have been reading at a young age. So I learned about that and how the body works. Just children, do not read above your grade level. Just don't do it. No, do read above your grade level. Yes. yes, yes. You want to be traumatized. <laughs> In 1830 or 1893, the World Trade Fair, the World Fair was hosted in Chicago. And who was active at that time? Edison? Or H.H. Holmes. Oh, yeah, H.H. Holmes as well. <laughs> I was like, I was like, where are you going with this? <laughs> we're, we're a true crime podcast. H.H. Holmes. Yes, H.H. Holmes. Oh, man, I should have done that one. Oh. <laughs> no, because you were doing Supernatural. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and I asked you that. You're doing Supernatural, right? Yes. Okay, the world's longest and largest permanent digital digital art installation is in Chicago. It is literally, like, I don't know if it's projected or the side of the building does it itself, but one building across the river lights up and puts on a show. Oh. It's about a five-minute show at nine o'clock, I think. Oh. Yes. Very nice. While I was there, I somehow collected a stray man who wouldn't leave me alone. He thought he was getting somewhere. He was not getting somewhere. So I didn't get to enjoy the show as much as I would have liked. But American cities. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I was actually talking to a real nice guy. And he's older, though. And mm. he decided, you know what? If I had a daughter your age, I wouldn't want her talking to a man older than me. So I'm going to pay for your drink. And then I think you should head home. And I was like, you know what? I respect that. Thank a you. A good man. A good um, man. 
Yep. Mm -hmm. And as soon as he left, this younger guy just slipped right in there. Like, wow, I was waiting for him to leave. And it's like, I wasn't. Of course. And, uh, you know, oh, well, you know, I'll walk you. I'll walk you to the art gallery, art exhibit, and then I'll walk you to the train station. And I was like, yeah, okay, well, I'm going to the art exhibit, and then I'm going to the train station. So, <laughs> and it was funny, though, because I, like, he knew that he wasn't getting anywhere because he added me on Instagram. And by the time I got home, he had taken me off Instagram. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, at least you're, at least he didn't continue trying. Yeah. Like, I've had yeah. this guy where, guys, where it's been like five years since I was in that city and he's still messaging me once a month. Like, no, give up, go away. <laughs> so the river flows backwards, which they did intentionally somehow. I have no idea how they did that, but it was a sanitation issue. So rather than bringing all the garbage into Lake Michigan, it brings it to you, Maddie, and puts it in the R Mississippi River. Oh, which makes more sense because it'll move in the Mississippi River where yeah. it will sit in the lake. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so here's a case one of us could have done: the worst maritime disaster in American history. I'm, I'm also I don't mean that in a mean way, but it's kind of funny. It took place in the Chicago River in 1915. 844 people died. When I went on this tour, I explained that many of the victims were lower working class and had won the trip in a raffle or something. And they, they actually died because they had worn their best clothes. You know, they, they were lower, lower class, which is also yeah, why nobody yeah. knows about yeah. Um, In comparison to size, this disaster was almost bigger than the Titanic. Yeah. Like, yeah. it was such a small ship that killed so many people, and they were literally in the middle of, like, the Mississippi River is much bigger than the Chicago yeah. River. Like, they were literally 10 feet from safety, uh, but they couldn't swim because the men were in their Sunday suits. The women were in their massive Sunday dresses because this was an event that, like, they're never going to get to go to again. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and it, it was, the city was so unprepared for this type of disaster that they were just putting the bodies in, like, empty warehouses across the street and it was just overflowing. And he says, um, apparitions can still be seen on the water. And if you go into the warehouses, sometimes a wet pool just develop where the water would have um, collected. Whoa. Yeah. So, oh. but, but like, he had everyone guess as to why nobody's heard about this. And, you know, my, my blunt ass, they were poor. Like, yeah, that's it. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. the Titanic went down and this was upper class people who died. Right. These right. people went down, and they were just replaced the next week by other poor people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, oh. Now I didn't, I didn't organize these in any really good way, and the first brownie was made in Chicago. Hey, hey, <laughs> yeah. I love brownies. Brownies are my favorite. <laughs> yeah, and the deep dish pizza. Yes. My body was not okay when I was in Chicago. <laughs> It was not okay. <laughs> Chicago is also known for their blues history, which is what I was there for. Mm. They have the world's largest free open air festival, which I went to. It is also the home to the great muddy waters of McKinley Morgan Field, which is how I named my cat. Oh. Named after him. Um, mm. Chicago is also where house music was born. Oh. Okay. Yeah. No, Chicago has a really serious, they've always, like, gospel was there, um, mm -hmm. and all that. I've tried to go to all those places, but most of them are closed at the time. And all that jazz. And all that jazz. <laughs> I did actually, uh, at some point, I do have cue music reference. Nice. Nice. Yes. Um, Route 66 starts here. Yes. Yes, yes. I have been there. And we have some famous crimes that took place here, including H.H. H. Holmes. Mm -hmm. John Dillinger was uh, killed in Chicago. He was oh. one of, like, old, old Western bad guys. Oh, okay. The Lipstick Killer, John Wayne Gacy, and the Tylenol Murders. Oh. Oh. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a hub. There's going to be a lot there. It's well, especially hub. if we're looking at the times these happened, this was a major hub because it's where everyone was leaving the South. That's how the blues got to Chicago. Everyone was leaving the South and going for jobs. Um, it was near Canada, so you could cross over if you needed to and get got away from the, get away from the law. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and if when I was there, uh, their 
above ground train system is super old. Oh. Like, I may sound really stupid saying this, but I just never thought of that stuff existing 100, 150 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Like, but yeah, when you go downtown, there is just a huge train system above head, above your head. And that itself has been there forever. Wow. Like Al Capone probably drove on that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then that's a connection to Canada too. They're not really sure how connected this actually is, but in Saskatchewan, there's a town called Moose Jaw Mm -hmm. that have underground tunnels that are apparently Mm -hmm. his. He was running uh, liquor through Canada. Oh. Um, yeah, I've done it, and they, the tours are fantastic. You would love their tours because they're in full costume. Yes, <gasps> I went in full costume. Yes. And the tours are so good. It's such a fun one. You know, regardless whether it's true, mm-hmm. the town is really killing it. Oh, that's good. They have that's found good. a way to make money, and they're using it. So go yes. ahead. <laughs> yes. Okay, good. if we were to go to Chicago... Where should we go, Maddie? All right. If you want to go to Chicago, we have top 10 things to do. And I'm Um, actually drinking wine today, so I will drink when I've been there. All right. Number 10, the Chicago Riverwalk. It's beautiful. I wouldn't eat there. It's probably expensive as hell, but it is so beautiful. What a lovely walk. It looks nice. I, I would suggest maybe going this month because they just dyed the river green. For St. Patrick's Day. I would actually like to see when they put the ducks in there. Right. Yes. I'm such a child, but I love the idea of thousands of ducks floating by. Yes. 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 All right. Number nine, the 360 degree Chicago observation deck. I didn't go. Hmm. I was broke and alone. (laughs) Fair enough. Yep. Number eight, the Field Museum. No which every kid in Illinois has been to because it's a mandatory field trip for all the schools. I'm not even joking. I went to a college in Southern Illinois and everyone raved about the Field Museum and what? how they had to go for um, for school. Apparently it's kind of like a night at the museum, even though I know that's in New York, but apparently it's the very- Smithsonian? Yeah, it's very much <laughs> like the Smithsonian. I love that. Or, or the Museum of Natural History. Sorry, the Museum okay, there of you Natural go. History. Yeah. I loved how every millennial was like, oh, yeah, I know which museum you mean, though. Yeah. 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 Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 Number seven, Sky Deck Chicago Willis Tower. Nope. No. I Without Willis Tower, I didn't go in. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Number six, The Magnificent Mile. Did get I didn't it's a lot of shopping and I just didn't feel it. Yeah, I get um, that. That's not what I was there for. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, number five, the Museum of Science and Industry. Not my thing. Mm, I feel that. Feel that. Number four for our baseball fans, Wrigley Field. So I I I accidentally went. I broke oh. into a game. You broke it through. I, I did. I really did. I really did. I really did. Um, I'm a Blues Brothers fan. Have you seen mm-hmm. the movie? Yes. So he gives his address is Wrigley Field. Yeah. So I had to go and I bought myself. Uh, I'm not wearing it for a nice change. A Wrigley Field hoodie and my brother a T-shirt. And I was just trying to find the store, like you know, trying to think. As all the the baseball the baseball field here and the hockey field here, you can enter a store from outside. Yes, yes. So I that's did. what I was doing. I saw the sweater I wanted, and I just went to go get it. And I was playing my music loud, and apparently this guy had been yelling at me for quite a while, and he finally caught up to me. And he's like, "I need your ticket," and I'm like, "I don't have a ticket. I just want that hoodie." And he's like, "You just walked into the game." <laughs> And I don't know how. I wasn't that zoned out. I didn't see metal detectors. I didn't see anything. I just walked right into the game, and he wouldn't let me get my shirt. No! I bought my shirt down the road from a lovely Mexican man. Oh. (laughs) so nice. Yeah, I accidentally went to a Cubs game. I have no idea anything about the Cubs. And it was funny, though, because after, that's when I went for my um, tattoo, they're Mm -hmm. asking me, like, who won the game? And I'm like, I have absolutely no idea. But I had the bag with me. And they're like, no, 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 no. I'm here for the Blues Brothers. 
Which I also should not have let that guy tattoo me when he had no idea who the Blues Brothers were. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, well, his, his um, text to me, I asked him if he could do this, and he said, Prawley. And you know what? At first, I was like, he's trained his spell check to understand yeah. the word Prawley. And then yeah. I was like, no, his spell check gave up. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But yes. yeah, that's the story of how I broke into a Cubs game. Oh, my goodness. I do have my hoodie that was hanging on my door. That's good. That's good. That's good. All right. Number three is Cloudgate. Yes, go before 9 a.m. and no one's there. Oh, that's a yes. good tip. After 9 a.m., though, everyone's there. Yes, it, that's around the bean, right? It, I think it is the bean. Okay. Okay, okay. I think the creative Cloudgate's also that guy who, uh, have, you, have you heard that really fun one? It was on Tumblr for a while. He's created a color that nobody's allowed to use. Yes. Yes, yes I've heard I about that. I love that story. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Okay, number two, Millennium Park. Mm-hmm. Cloudgate is in Millennium Park. Oh, got you. Okay. Which is a lovely park. It's huge. Ooh. It and says, that's where the Blues yeah. Festival is held. I think a lot of festivals are held oh, within Millennium Park. Gotcha, gotcha. This says that it looks like something out of Star Wars. Because it has, like, a lot of steel wings around it. Uh, yeah, it's got within it. So, like, okay. that's probably one of the um, state places where they held um, venues for the concert. Gotcha. 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 Okay. And number one, do you want to take a stab in the dark and guess what it is, Sabrina? Probably not something I think should be on the list. <laughs> so, I don't mean that in the way it shouldn't be on the list. I have a yeah, bunch yeah. of things that I'm stunned as a blues listener are not on that list. Yeah. 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 So, no, I don't know. Other than the um, the main museum. Is that it? Number one is the Art Institute of Chicago. That's not, uh, that is a good one, but that's not the one I was thinking of. I can't oh. recall the name of the, I am so impressed with how good the exhibit was. Mm-hmm. Um, God, the main museum, it could have been this, no, it wouldn't have been the science one. But the main, you know what? It was the Night, night in the Museum Museum. Oh, the Field Museum. Probably, <laughs> probably. Yeah. Um, I don't know that for sure, but that sounds right. They had a blues exhibit on, Amplified. Oh. That's partially why I went to Chicago. And oh. I got there um, the same moment as a school bus pulled up. <gasps> no. And I thought, well, that, yeah, exactly. All I'm going to hear is kids complaining about, I don't want to be here. They made such a wonderful interactive exhibit. Yeah. Like you go through and you walk into a speakeasy and everything works. Yeah. You can yeah, actually yeah. play the microphone, sing. Then you walk into a recording studio where you can record. Then you walk into the um, vinyl store where you pick up the, the um, records and read about the artists and you learn about the different types of blues. Yeah. And by the time I got there, it was closer to the end of the exhibit. It had been running for about a year. Nothing worked. <gasps> the kids had played with it that much, which I think is incredible because music like that kids don't care for. Yeah. But the fact that they had those kids so immersed into the system, into the experience that they broke things, yeah. I thought was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, really good. Like, at the time, I really wanted to work at a museum, specifically in blues. Mm. And obviously, the way I talk about it, I still love it. It was incredible. They did such a good job. Oh, yes. So, yes. yes. Props to the museum that I can't remember the name of. <laughs> but it was one of the big main museums. Yes, 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 yes. All right, okay. so there's our top 10 things to do in Chicago. Well, if I can add, two museums will be opening up shortly. Ooh. There is already there is the Chess, Chess Records Museum. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, though, it is cl- it was closed like Mondays, and I went on a Monday. Oh. Muddy Waters House will be turned into a museum shortly. Yeah. I met his granddaughter who was raising funds to get that moving, and I will go back to Chicago as soon as she's got that open. The um, Pilgrim Baptist Church, it's a really big deal for gospel music. It burned okay. down a little while ago. While I was there, they were still repairing it, and they will turn that into the National Gospel Muse- Museum. Nice. So soon, I will Ooh. have to go back soon. I yes. was going to go back this year, and I thought, you know what? Those two museums aren't open yet. There's no point, because I will have to go back. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. And you know what, though? I don't recall seeing anything about... um any mob museums 
the mob museum is in Ve- in Las Vegas. In Vegas, yeah. So I'm kind of wondering if Chicago's kind of like, no, we don't need to. Yeah, it's like, shh, don't need to talk about this. No, no, yeah. put it on New York, not on well, us. Well, I can no, see Las no. Vegas where, I mean, they. I don't think they had the bad mob as much as Chicago did. Mm-hmm. The mobs run the ran the uh, casinos. Yeah. And you want to keep right. the crime out of where your casinos are because casinos are for tourists. Yes. So I could see how Las Vegas would be like, yeah, we want that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But would you like to learn about Al Capone? Yes, I'm very excited to learn. Okay. So Al Capone was born Alphonse Capone in January 17th, 1899 in Brooklyn, New York to Italian parents, Gabrielle, that Gabrielle, Gabrielle probably, and Teresina Capone. His father was a barber and his mother was a seamstress and he had seven other siblings. One of Al's brothers, James, would later change his name to Richard Hart, possibly because he grew up to actually be a prohibition agent, which is one of the guys that would, you know, arrest his brother. Yeah. 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 So I could see why he would change his name because Richard Hart is nowhere near James Capone. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah, so that's a fun one. Al's yeah. early life was much like many children of Italian immigrants living in Brooklyn at the time. He was actually a promising student. However, it should be a little unsurprising. He struggled with rules and he needed to repeat grade six simply because he just struggled so much with behavioral issues. Unfortunately, understandably as well, this affected his feelings towards school. So he started skipping school and giving teachers attitude when he actually was in school. One day, a teacher hit him and he fought back. Some sources say he straight up punched her in the face. So after being sent to the principal's office for yet another beating, he decided, you know what, school actually isn't for him, which, you know what, as someone who has been beaten at school by a principal, I get that. Man, tr- what, what, how, cha- how times have changed so much. And you know what the sad thing is? They haven't changed everywhere. <laughs> Not everywhere, you're right. No, nope, I was just you're blessed right. with my parents had the ability to move me to a new school. Yeah. So, Yeah. Around this time, the family had actually moved to a better neighborhood, where he would begin his mob career. Oh, he also met his wife, Mary, there, too. (laughs) Side note, also met, like, the love of his life. (laughs) You know what? And actually, I did read somewhere that him and Mary appeared to have a very happy marriage. Oh, Yes, but that doesn't mean he wasn't playing with others outside. Right. But they were happy, so. Yes. I won't question anyone's relationship, but unlike many situations where we see, especially with these stories, Mm -hmm. where she's just with him because she doesn't have a choice, they actually seem to be happy together. That's good. So here he met Johnny Torrio, who is a relatively famous name, but not as famous of a name. He was working in the area and basically took Al on as his uh, mob assistant. He was also part of the Five Points gang. Other notable alumni include Lucky Luciano, Luciano and Bugsy Siegel. Not, not Bugs, though. Bugsy. Yes, those are very important differences. Johnny left, however, in 1917 for Chicago, so Al tried to keep a legal job. This was really boring, I guess. So Johnny hooked him up with a bar owner friend, and Al took a job on as a, as a bartender. Uh, this would be where he gets the name Scarface. While working, Al made an indecent comment towards a woman, and two things either happened. So either her boyfriend hit him in the face with a bottle, or her brother cut him in the face with a knife. Either way, there are three scars on the side of his face. Um, Up until yesterday, I'd never actually seen them before. They're very faint, um, and there's one mugshot where he's looking, as a mugshot does, you look the other direction, Mm -hmm. and you can see one very well and the other one very faintly i can't see the Ooh, third one okay so he would have been like quite young when this happened too yeah so the stars faded over time but the yeah. name stuck mm-hmm. there was a couple other really weird names that i didn't write down one of them was like snorky which i guess at the time meant he was a fancy dresser oh i don't know maybe we should break we should bring uh 40s chat back snorky. he was a snorky cat. <laughs> 
You're looking real snorky today. Very snorky. I'm not today. I'm not. I'm not looking snorky. I'm, I'm looking like, I don't know, snorty? Snorty? <laughs> Wait, I wonder if that's where snooty comes from. Like I can looking... see that. I can, I can see, see the that. connection there. Oh, okay. okay you know what? Good. Why not? We, we'll just say we're understanding English language together. Yes. <laughs> Okay, so Mary and Al, they were married in 1918 when Al was 19. I'm not actually sure how old she was, but I would assume they were rather close in age. Um, you know, at the time, maybe she was around 16, 17, 18, 19. <laughs> but like, not aggressively age, not an aggressive age difference. Late son, teens, yes, we'll say. Yes. Uh, their son, Albert, was born just a few weeks before the marriage. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> oh, yes. And they moved to Baltimore to start an honest life together. And I'm going to be honest, I know literally nothing Baltimore. about Every day's like an open door. <laughs> I was just about to say, I know literally nothing about Baltimore. But I'm ah, glad you've got a song about Baltimore. Hairspray is in Baltimore. <gasps> Was that, I thought it was in Detroit. No, Baltimore. Well, moving the music to the music's, um, studio to Detroit, weren't they? Yes, they were going to yes. move them okay. to the studio. Right. Yes. Okay, good. This does make a little bit of sense. I got that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it went well for a while. Al was a bookkeeper for a construction company. And not in a, uh-huh, kind of way. Like, he was a bookkeeper for a construction company. <laughs> However, in 1920, Al's father died. And his good old friend Johnny suggested he come to Chicago as he could use a hand with his growing gambling and prostitution business. So something else was happening in 1922. Maddie, do you know what that was? Um, I, oh, wait, I'm reading my own notes. <laughs> Read your own notes? <laughs> I start in 1924. Okay, well, Prohibition. Prohibition was happening. Okay, okay, that happened in 1920. Not 22, 1920, Prohibition started. Yes. Oh, 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 okay, I said something. Okay, sorry, two as in T-O-O. Oh. (laughs) And I'm the one drinking. Okay. So sorry. <laughs> so, but anyway, now that bootlegging was on the table, Al just couldn't turn it down. It was such a good opportunity. However, Johnny actually already was already working with Big Jim Colissimo, Colissimo, whatever. But he really didn't want to get into the bootlegging business. You know, he was really enjoying gambling and prostitution. But you know what? It worked out great for Al because Big Jim was coincidentally murdered the same year. What a cranky dink. So, yeah, Al had nothing to do with that. Johnny had nothing to do with that. It just happened. <laughs> so Man, Al- what a great coincidence. Honestly, it's, it's oh wonderful. My God. Things seem to happen for Al that work out real well for him. What a lucky guy. <laughs> so Well, no, but he wasn't lucky. We already have a lucky. True. <laughs> Al not only brought his street smarts, a.k.a. thugness, which I think we should call a word now, he brought his plugness to the table, but also his experience as a bookkeeper. So Al was doing great and was shortly promoted to partner. Go Al. We love a good promotion. However, I guess the term don't get high on your own supply wasn't around at the time, as Al drank a lot, among other things. He's going to get syphilis soon. He was arrested for the first time for drunk driving. Which I don't even think you had drunk driving in the fifth in the forties. You were just driving. Yeah. I guess I'm dying. <laughs> I think he's gonna get some of this. That's just so funny. <laughs> That's actually why I'm doing this case. More people need to know about this. <laughs> that he had syphilis. <laughs> I'm not going to ruin my case. Don't ruin my case for me, Maddie. We can discuss okay. this in like 10 minutes, okay? Stop dying. for. Stop dying. I don't need to get another victim of Al Capone. He wasn't even here for it. He was never there for it. So, yes, but of course, foreshadowing, this won't be the first, the last time he's arrested for far less than he should have been. But it won't be the last time government connections are used to get him off. 
yes, crooked, crooked cops, crooked everything. They were working in his favor. So in 1923, a hundred years ago, elections were happening. And as always, the candidates vowed to be tough on crime. So the boys moved their business to Cicero, which I literally only know. Yeah, I saw your face. That's the only time I've ever heard the word Cicero was in Cell Block Tango. Yes. For real. For real. Like, even Same. while I was in Chicago, I know to them it's part of the city, but I'm there like Cicero. Cicero. And like all the other words that come in. Uh, uh, Cicero, uh, Lipschitz. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Spread it. Uh, uh, Cicero, <laughs> Lipschitz. Let it come. No, we can't do that right now. He did no. have it coming though. <laughs> yes. So they, and I did, I, I put it in, in my notes like, cue musical reference. They moved to Cicero to avoid it, but that didn't work because a whole new mayor was running in Cicero, and he's like, no, I'm also going to be tough on violence. Um, and they were trying to, like, intimidate the new mayor into losing their position so that they could put their mayor into place. Um, that wasn't going so well, and it got extremely violent. A few voters were actually killed, including Al's brother, Frank, who was killed by the police in retaliation. And I do find this is like, like I said, I don't want to call Al my favorite mobster because I don't like terms like that. And I did find reading this, you know, a few voters were killed, but um, Frank was ruthlessly gunned down in the streets by the police. And it's like, um, I don't think we should be so nonchalant about innocent people dying and then use those words to describe Frank dying. Like, let's just say everyone just died. <laughs> Not make one more exciting than the other. It's all terrible. So in 1925, after... Ooh, hold on, am I reaching? No, okay, we're still good here. So in 1925, after rivals tried and failed to kill him, Johnny decided to give up the life, so he turned the business over to Al and retired to Italy. Must be nice. Johnny had been very low-key, he didn't get high on his own supply. Al was not Johnny, if you hadn't noticed. Al decided Cicero was boring. So he moved his business to a suite in the Metropole Hotel right in Chicago, which I have been to. I used their internet to rebook my tattoo. <laughs> Smart. From here, you could just imagine the music montage from the movie Scarface where Tony Montana takes over the business, is living large, and if Al lived in the 80s, he would have totally bought a pet tiger. Like, it was just that kind of thing. He's getting really big for his britches. Um, which, you know what? He, rightfully so, it's estimated he was bringing in $100 million, million a year, and time money converter suggests that's was kind of a billion dollars. He was making a billion dollars. Yeah, yeah, go live large. I can see why now mafia romance is a very popular genre. I get it now. I understand. Yeah. Well, like I, after doing this yesterday, I just walked over and I was like, hey, Jamie, Al Capone made a billion dollars a year. Want to start get, running gambling and prostitution rings? Like, yeah. We'll see what. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Actually, Morgan accidentally got his own mobster name. Oh, gosh. His first name tag that I ordered, um, it was in China, and I have it say Morgan McMullen. And they asked what symbol I want on the side. So I said, oh, I really like the Mickey Mouse picture. What they sent me says Morgan Mickey Mouse McMullen. Oh. And I'm like, yeah, that's his. Morgan Mickey Mouse McMullen. <laughs> I love it. I still have it. It's on his Christmas tree now. Oh. Okay, side note here. This is It just gets really weird sometimes. According to the Mob Museum, which, yes, it's on my bucket list, Johnny came back to the U.S. at some point. And in 1934, he helped found the National Commission of the American Mafia. Not really sure what we're going to do with that information, but I thought we all needed to know it existed. Or at least at one time existed. I feel like that should, that's like an oxymoron. Like the Mafia and then the National Mafia Commission. But I found that with like the Hells Angels. You know, my dad, because of his, his line of work at one time, he was very involved with them. And they are, they're, they have extreme hierarchy. Mm. Like, even when they drive by, you can see, like, who drives here, who drives there, who drives there. Yeah. And honestly, though, you can't have a large gathering of people and not have some type of order. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like you just sense. can't living truly anarchy is not possible. Yeah. It, it wouldn't last at least. Everyone would just yeah. end up killing each other. Yes. Okay. So Al was briefly very popular. I think all infamous mob- mobsters go through a phase like this where like they're very generous. The people love him. And you know, like I remember uh, the John Gotti movie with uh, God. John Travolta. In my head, I'm just going, ah, 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 staying alive. John Travolta, right. It's a really good movie. But people were saying, like, you know, he's only killing mobsters. Like, they're keeping the violence within. I mean, they weren't, as we saw earlier. But people are fine with that. Until it got too violent. And then they start to turn on him. So as the city got more and more violent, he fell out of favor. He fell out of favor with the public. After a series of violent mob murders, Al attempted to do something about it, not necessarily out of the goodness of his heart, but it was starting to get too much attention from the authorities. They had already raided his house, but all they got was some lousy financial documents, which they could never possibly do anything with. So Al called for a meeting of all the gangsters in the city, and they agreed on a sort of peace treaty, and it lasted two whole months. So now I think I'm going to take a pause because I think I'm coming into your case at Maddie. Would you like to tell me about the St. Valentine's Day Massacre? All right. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. So picture this. Chicago, the 1920s. America's in its prohibition era. A time of speakeasies, jazz music, organized crime. Chicago was a town of gin guns and glamour and aside from the fact that i couldn't have my wine it sounds amazing yes <laughs> and a city quite literally that has quite literally all that jazz <laughs> young entrepreneurs and architects poured into chicago looking to rebuild the city after the great chicago fire uh this caused a population boom after world war one and mobsters took advantage of this by putting in speakeasies gin joints and working with jazz legends of the time like louis armstrong baby dodds and little hardin to generate a profit and so these mobsters broke into different crime families that sabrina has kind of touched on a little bit such as the chicago outfit the north side gang and the irish mob just a heads up, by the way, I'm going to New York in May, so expect more mobsters in May. Yay! <laughs> I love, and I think it's because it's violent, but not in the way my, like, where I'm from, we just have Bloods and Crips. Mm. So it's yeah. something I understand, but also mm. something that is very far from what I grew up, so it's almost um, not real. Mm. And I yeah. think that's why I liked it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah? Of course. It's also just interesting. I mean, everyone likes a good mob story. Yeah. John Wick 3, 4 is coming out this month. Woo! (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. So Sabrina has already kind of set up our main men in the story. Um, But let's start. In early 1929, Bugs Moran and a henchman killed Pasquale, Pasquale Lorando, who was an associate of Al Capone in Capone decided to have Moran done away with once and for all, as, again, as Sabrina mentioned, all this violence was escalating, escalating, escalating. Well, I heard from my research, he was also Mm. going after his top assassin now, too. Yes. Which would have made things really hard for him if he lost all his assassins. Yes. Yes, yes. So Al Capone allegedly arranged to have someone contact Moran and tell him of a special shipment of bootleg whiskey from Canada that was to be shipped to 2122 North Clark Street on Valentine's Day. When Moran's men arrived at the garage, four gangsters from the outfit stormed into the warehouse, two of them in civilian clothes and two of them dressed up as police officers. The outfit even arrived in a Chicago police car, and the outfit is Al Capone's gang, mob, mafia. The outfit members lined up the six members of the Northside gang against the wall of the garage and opened fire with machine guns. Adam Heyer, Frank and Pete Gusenberg, John May, Al Weinshank, and Albert No, not Cover John Mayer! <laughs> perished at the scene. And you would think, 
Oh, machine guns. That's a ton of noise. Why was nothing done about this? I heard nothing. I saw nothing. And you're correct. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) The neighbors heard the gunshots, but since the outfit arrived in a police car, the neighbors assumed that the... that the, 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 that the police <laughs> was on the scene and had the situation under control. The two outfit members that were dressed as policemen even arrested the other two members dressed in civilian clothes. The police car spread off with the lights and sirens on and everyone was fooled. For I really thought three... you were going to say and everyone lived happily ever after. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> For about three hours, the bodies were undiscovered. The only reason the victims were found was because John May brought his dog, Highball, to the warehouse. Highball was safe. Highball was safe. He was I do appreciate tied. that you said that. I was more thinking, don't bring your dog. It's like bringing your child. True, 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 true. Highball was safe as he was in the back of the warehouse rather than the front, and a neighboring woman heard the dog barking like crazy and got a male neighbor to check the warehouse with her, and supposedly the man ran out of the building screaming as they found the bodies. That's valid, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So... Now, since Moran was not present for this massacre and survived, and Al Capone was in Florida at the time when he allegedly called the hit on Moran, and law enforcement couldn't link it to him at all, and no one was ever tried for the killing. Like I said, he gets away with a lot. Yes. And so now, with the massacre behind us, let's talk about the paranormal real quick. Just real quick, real fast. You're like, I really got to put paranormal in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I'm curious. All right. So the garage where the massacre happened was demolished in 1967. It is now a side yard to the Market Day Blake Apartments, an apartment complex for seniors. So let's talk about the bricks. God, it would have been fantastic if half of them had to retire there. <laughs> yes. Can you imagine? Yeah, I killed a bat over there. Sure, Grandpa. Sure, yeah, yeah. Okay, Grandpa. Oh, sure. Next time the for dinner. is really setting in. Okay, bye. <laughs> yeah. So when the garage came down, the bricks became sort of collectors' items, especially if they had blood on them or bullet holes in them. But multiple people started experiencing weird things after they got the bricks. Some people reported that they were being haunted. Some said that they were just really unlucky. And some even reported that they were in a terrible accident or got a horrible disease after taking home one of the bricks. Even if the bricks were sprayed with holy water, which someone tried to do, they will still said to be very haunted and contain a lot of negative energy. That's wild. Yes. It is even said that Al Capone saw an entity when he touched the brick and was haunted until he passed away. Well, that's crazy because there's places Al Capone might be haunting too that I bring up later. Yes, 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 yes. And so now a funny story about the bricks. One Canadian businessman, George Patey, bought a number of bricks at an auction. Okay, so I gotta find him. He toured around with the bricks, telling the story of the bricks, and tried to open up a crime museum in Canada in 1969. Oh, so I gotta find him. Oh, 1969, I gotta find his son. (laughs) But it wasn't very successful. But Patey was ever the businessman and decided to reassemble the bricks in the men's bathroom of his nightclub in Vancouver. Okay, I'll go. Uh, But also, how drunk you gotta be? We've done some weird shit in the bathroom. We have not (laughs) reassembled a building from the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. (laughs) A plastic screen was set up in front of the brick wall, and men were instructed to aim for the bullet holes. Becoming a girl <laughs> in the men's bathroom. They all missed. They all missed. <laughs> and, and women were allowed into the men's room to see the walls. <laughs> <laughs> you see why I had to include this now? <laughs> oh my god, that was worth it just for that? <laughs> But don't fly off to 
Vancouver yet, Sabrina, because Not the there. nightclub closed in 1976 and the bricks were auctioned off again one at a time. But now they got paint on it. There was a plastic yeah, wall in front of it. There was a plastic <laughs> <laughs> But I love stuff like that now because they have like even an additional story yes. to it. Yeah. Like, some guy is like, yeah, this was a St. Valentine's Day massacre, and some drunk Canadians tried to pee on it. <laughs> yes. And it was Vancouver, too, so it's just, and drunk Canadians and Americans, maybe even yeah. Jimi Hendrix tried to piss on this. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Now, besides the bricks, the location of the massacre is said to be very haunted as well. Uh, residents of the senior apartment building have reported unusual mist and lights. They can hear men's voices, even if there's no one in sight or in the area. Uh, they're said to be screaming from men and machine gun firing when you get near the site. Uh, people who are an empath or sensitive have a really real sense of fear yeah. and panic when they come to the side yard. And animals, particularly dogs, tend to avoid the area as well. Um, some residents also report portugais activity in their apartments, such as things flying off counters and falling off shelves. So typical ghostly things going on at the site. At the same and time women's time. butts get pitched. <laughs> Massacre. Yes, and that's it for the paranormal, and that's the St. Valentine's Day Massacre in slightly more detail. Um, if you want to see the bricks from the warehouse, they are on display at the Mob Museum in Las Vegas. Okay, so we're just going to have to meet up in Las Vegas one day. We're just going to have to. Like, we, we just, we gotta, we gotta. You know what? When I graduate, we're meeting up at Las Vegas. Yes, graduation party! We can party. actually record in the hotel room together for a yes. change. Yes? Yes. <laughs> um, I think my, my case will be the crime that is how attractive I thought Chris Angel was. <laughs> I, I feel like growing up, kids have like three hyperfixations. Something crime-related, a magician- or, and then something with nature. Those are, like, the three things kids yep. have hyperfixation. Oh, I was super into crime, and the mafia was mine. Um, nature could be ghosts. Ghosts, yeah. Yep, no, I was totally into Chris Angel. And now that I'm older, like, no offense to Chris Angel, but now that I'm older, uh, if he wasn't famous, nah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I have been at the bar, and that guy's like, let me pull a card out from behind your ear, and it's like, you're disturbing, go away. <laughs> but Chris Angel, you're hot, hello. <laughs> yes. Yep. Okay, so All I will right. just finish that off with, yes. yes. let's so, jump back into Al Capone's uh, life. <laughs> yes. So, Al was coincidentally in Miami at the time, and the public blamed him. He gained the nickname, uh, Public Enemy Number One, after this. Nice. Yes. So apparently in 1927, the U.S. government decided that income gained through illegal activities was taxable. Unfortunately, I'm not the only one who's surprised by this. I never would have. It's illegal income. Isn't reporting that on your taxes kind of like reporting on yourself? Yeah. But Al was also surprised by this. So, on June 5th, 1931, the U.S. government charged Al with 22 counts of tax evasion, which I also don't know how you get 22 counts of that. That's a lot. Like, oh, he forgot That's to count That's a lot. He, he just must have never filed taxes. Never paid taxes. Never filed, and nothing. Honestly, though, the amount of criminals that go down on tax evasion is astounding. Right. Uh, like, Shakira. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> No. no, but that seems to be, and I think that's because it's easier. Rather than proving their crime, you can prove their tax evasion. Yeah. I, yeah. I think I'm making this up, but did Gotti go down for tax evasion? Gotti? I can't, like, I just watched his movie. I've watched his movie a dozen times. I love the movie. But they get they get them for tax evasion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think for mobsters, tax evasion is like driving with a body, running a red with a body in your trunk. Like, yes yes you would think okay so i'm not a criminal but you would think if i if you killed somebody and you were doing terrible things i'm paying my taxes i'm stopping at the red lights i'm using my blinkers but the other problem is, is he's already gotten off on crimes so many times he's good nobody's gonna touch him yeah 
Yay. Um, yeah. So first he struck a deal for two years, two and a half years, but the judge switched it up and decided not to honor it before they went to trial. But all was still good. He's good. He's got trusty old bribery and intimidation to work with. So he bribed and intimidated, intimidated that jury. And then the judge switched it up again and pulled a brand new jury out last minute. So Al was found guilty and sentenced to 11 years in prison at the age of 33. Which is crazy, too. He was 33. Al Capone is seven years older than Or was seven years older than us when he went to prison? Yes. Yes. That's yes. That's crazy, too. Like, for some reason, I just think of this guy as being, like, 100 years old. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's accomplished all of this. It's kind of crazy that, like, all, all all the people we've been covering, like, throughout the episodes, they're all, like, mid-20s, early 30s. Yeah. Like, all of them. Al Capone probably started his mob life when he was, like, 12. Yeah. So, we're good. We're good. We got plenty it, it, of it, time to make major accomplishments in our life. <laughs> it, must, it must just be something about that frontal lobe not being developed. It has, has, has to, like, make all the bad decisions, all the yeah. crime stuff. Well, and, like, when you think about that, you're right, though. If you started committing crimes and you're 12, then you're on a good path to be a really good criminal. Yeah. Like, your brain is just getting, oh, yeah, sure, so I robbed a guy. So, like, next week I'll kill a guy and it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So he spent his first two years in prison in Atlanta, but let's be real, Al just couldn't give up the life, and he was caught bribing the guards, so he was famous, or he was sent to the famous Alcatraz prison, and this is where I've heard rumors that he's still there, he just never left. Yes. I did not go deep into that, because I wasn't covering the paranormal case this week, but I have heard he's still there. So after six years, though, he was released to a medical facility in Baltimore. Something, something, Baltimore. Baltimore. <laughs> because he was suffering from conditions from syphilis, which he had contracted when he was younger. And apparently it's possible that he, I just kind of assumed, you know, at this time, oh, he got it, what you gonna do about it? But apparently he knew about it and there was treatment, but he just decided not to get treatment. Which I'm, that could be him just being, I'm a man, I'm fine. Or, it, um, what was I just about to, that's, he may not have wanted that on his reputation. Mm. So if you never go for treatment, it never happened, nobody's ever going to know about it. But I'm just like, if I had like a billion dollars a year, I would go to the doctor. Like For a, a billion dollars a year, you could go to the doctor anywhere in the world and pay them to be quiet. Exactly. Like... Um. Yeah, but whatever. Whatever. Um, Yeah, so he spent three years there, and then he was released to live out his final days with his wife in Miami, where he died of cardiac arrest on January 25th, 1947, seven days after his 48th birthday. Oh. And that is it for Al Capone. Al Capone. Yes. I feel like I didn't come up with a good ending other than, and he's dead. (laughs) But yeah, he's dead. He's dead. He's dead. He's he could still be in Alcatraz, but he's dead. And from what I hear, his ghost is not happy to still be in Alcatraz. Yes, he's his ghost is very upsetty spaghetti to be in. Upsetty spaghetti. I saw a whole Ghost Adventures episode about it. It's well, in I their think, Alcatraz special. Yes. Well, I think um and that's why we drink covered Alcatraz. And yes. that's where they told me about that. Yeah. Yes. So I didn't do the research, but I'd love to go to Alcatraz. I actually, my best friend's boyfriend was in Alcatraz, visiting, obviously, uh, two weeks ago, I think. So I should have asked him about it, but I didn't even, like, it's such a small piece of this case, but it would have been interesting. Yeah. So yeah. next week, I think we're still going to be in Chicago. Still and in we're Chicago. Still find the ghosts in Chicago. Chicago double feature. Double feature. You know what? Chicago deserves it. Yeah. Um, however, we will coordinate and make sure we don't get the same ghost. Yes. <laughs> That'd be <laughs> great if I do like ghost. H.H. H. Holmes is haunted, and you're like, that's crazy because the World Trade Center or fair was haunted. <laughs> I'm sorry. I really, <laughs> I really, no. really. Am. I love how neither of us were like, oh, 
we talked about this yesterday and neither of us was like, by the way, does it happen to be? Does it happen to be on February 14th? <laughs> so next time I say I'm, co- or one of us says we're covering this human and our case coincidentally might be by that human. Let's just consider yes. that by that human. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so any, any cases by like Jack the Ripper where he might've killed her, we're just going to assume she killed, he killed her. Yes. okay well then i will see you next week still in chicago still in chicago yes thank you okay all right thanks for listening and stay terrified bye bye